I think conceptually, most Catholic wives know that respect in marriage is essential and even have a notion of there being a specific respect commanded of a wife for her husband, who is head of the household. I think the head of household terminology is used widely enough at the pulpit, etc. But we're very poorly trained for the actual practice of respect in that we're not taught to think critically about what constitutes disrespect and why. Welcome, finally, <laughs> after a month-long break, to part two of the Discipline of Joy, Living the Serenity Prayer. At the end of part one, I explained that this episode would be spent diving into bad control, aka disrespect, and that we'd be looking at a list of common disrespectful behaviors. Even though they weren't officially part of this series, I hope you did get a chance to listen to episodes 11, 12, and 13, because in them we laid a foundation for why it's necessary for us to be so nitpicky about disrespectful behavior. And we talked about the attitude that we should have in order to get the most out of these next few episodes. Two quotes which I'd like to share for you to muse on as we make this study. The first from Proverbs chapter 19 verses 13 and 14. Quote, A wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain. House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. End quote. And second from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, quote, You wives, be submissive to your husbands, so that some, though they do not obey the word, may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives when they see your reverent and chaste behavior. Let not yours be the outward adorning with braiding of hair, decoration of gold, and wearing of robes, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable jewel of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So once the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves and were submissive to their husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord." End quote. So this whole episode is going to be sort of um, a guided examination of conscience. I'm going to quick share a full list of 30 behaviors right off the bat so that you can decide if you need to continue to listen to the rest of this episode. Obviously, disrespect can come out in many forms, but we promised in earlier episodes to be very nitpicky about respect. So for this episode and the next two, we have selected 30 of what we think are the most common examples of disrespect in a marriage to focus on. And hopefully this gives enough of a framework to be able to examine one's behavior. If you don't struggle with any of these behaviors, then you may choose to just skip on ahead.
a side note that I shared this list with my husband and asked for his thoughts. I asked specifically if he thought that I was missing anything or if he felt that anything was overly redundant. And his thought was that even though some of the questions were very similar, that they're different enough that the distinction they seek to address is important. So I've taken my husband at his word <laughs> and gone with his endorsement of the list as it exists. Now, most of why these behaviors are disrespectful should be pretty obvious if you just flip it and say, wow, if my husband did this to me, I would not find that acceptable. If you wouldn't find it acceptable for your husband to do it to you, then there's no way that you should be doing it to him. It's amazing what we permit in ourselves that we would find offensive if we were on the receiving end. So once again, we come back to self-knowledge. From there, the format is going to be that we're going to go back through that list and say, okay, here's an example of a disrespectful behavior in the form of a question. And if there is more to say about it, than just, hey, you would find this behavior acceptable if your husband did it to you, um, then we'll go into more detail. Some disrespectful behaviors you just need to cut. You need to fight to eliminate it. You need to go to confession when you fall into it. Others, there may be a better way to handle the specific situation that results in this behavior. And if so, we will talk about that too. And then all 30 of these questions are available as a compiled document, which you can download from our blog post and use as a daily examine if you determine from listening to this episode that you need to. So let's do the quick list. And as you're listening for each one, make sure you ask yourself if you would feel hurt or angry or offended if your husband did this to you. Also, one more quote to set the tone for the rest of this episode, this one from St. Ignatius of Loyola, quote, you wish to reform the world, reform yourself, otherwise your efforts will be in vain, end quote. All right, here we go with a quick list, and then we'll dive into some details. So number one, when my husband is speaking to me, do I give him my full attention? Number two, do I think that I need to agree with everything my husband says? Number three, do I think that my husband needs to agree with everything I say? Number four, if my husband is expressing an opinion with which I disagree, do I look for opportunities to interject or interrupt in order to set him straight? Number five, did I ask my husband leading questions in an effort to get him to think, speak, or behave the way that I want him to versus the way that he normally does? Number six, did I nag or nitpick about a decision he had made? Number seven, did I give unsolicited recommendations for resources to help him improve in some area? Number eight, did I make unsolicited helpful suggestions? Number nine, did I do or say anything with the intention of punishing my husband for something he had done with which I disagreed? Number 10, did I abuse my husband in my head 
and or in my heart? Did I allow myself to dwell on angry, bitter, or resentful thoughts or feelings concerning my husband? Number 11, have I intentionally refrained from thanking my husband for something that he did? Because it seemed too good to be true and I thought to myself that he would probably never do it again. Number 12, did I undo something my husband had done in order to redo it my way? Number 13, did I directly criticize my husband or how he did something? Number 14, did I ask his family members or friends to speak to him or advise him about a problem in our marriage? Number 15, did I tell my husband that he or we need counseling? Number 16, do I compare my husband to other men? Do I point out ideal behaviors in other men to try to get him to be more like them? Number 17, have I consulted other men on matters that I think my husband handles badly and shared their wisdom with my husband to try to get him to imitate them? Number 18, did I say something which communicated to my husband that I expected him to fail, to be selfish, to do less than he could do? Did I say something which let my husband know that I expected the worst from him in a given situation? Number 19, did I try to trick him into joining some support group? for a problem I have identified in his character or into meeting some set of persons whom I have determined will be a good influence on my husband. Number 20, did I tell my husband how I do something, clearly implying that what he is doing is wrong? Number 21, did I demand that my husband do something my way? Number 22, did I manipulate my husband into a corner so that he had no choice but to do something the way that I wanted it to happen? Number 23, did I issue any type of ultimatum to my husband to get him to do what I wanted him to do? Number 24, did I give him dirty looks to communicate my displeasure or disapproval of something he had done? Did I presume, sorry, number 25, did I presume to speak on his behalf, especially about something on which I know we do not completely agree, so that he was prevented from giving input? Number 26, did I demand of him or force him to sit down to talk about something which he had been avoiding? Number 27, did I speak badly of my husband to others? Number 28, did I make him out, even in a joking manner, to be incompetent in some area? Number 29, did I command my husband directly with language such as, you cannot do this, or you must not do this, or I forbid you to do this? And number 30, have I denied my husband the marital debt for no good reason? Okay, so hopefully going through the full list helped you determine 
if these next few episodes are ones which you need to listen to or not. So let's now take each one of these behaviors and talk about them. This first set of behaviors I have under a category which I call valuing his manly mind <laughs> because your husband's mind works differently from yours and we women can be very disrespectful when it comes to our husband's mental processes. Number one, when my husband is speaking to me, do I give him my full attention? We're starting out super obvious here. You hate it when you're trying to talk to your husband and he's on his phone or playing video games or just clearly allowing his mind to wander, right? With that said, if you don't have kids, you don't have an excuse. But if you do have kids, I can absolutely understand how this can be a difficult one. So here are two ways to help your husband feel respected if your problem is having kids interrupt you. First of all, especially with older kids, do not shy away from putting off your kids. Do not shy away from saying to them, daddy's talking to me and I want to hear what he's saying. Please wait. Now, this also teaches your kids to respect their father. But second, if kids are interrupting because they have legitimate time-sensitive needs, you know, like potty training, for example, take a moment to assure your husband, hey, darling, I'm sorry that I can't give you my full attention right now, but please don't forget your train of thought because I want to hear all about it as soon as I'm done pottying baby. If your husband tries to talk to you when you're about to tackle a project or a chore, try to give him that time, especially if he's been away from you all day at work and this is the first time that he's getting a chance to talk to you. If he wants to talk to you, gosh, you should feel so cherished and honored that he doesn't want to just take you for granted and treat you like you're a piece of furniture when he's home. He wants to engage your mind. Learn to be grateful for that. And if there's something you really cannot put off, okay, let's say you're in the middle of cooking dinner and the pasta is in the pasta water and you need to pay attention. You know, saying something like, Hun, I'm, I'm sorry that my mind can't handle trying to follow a recipe and listening to you at the same time. I really want to hear everything that you have to say. Would you mind holding that thought? And I'll let you know as soon as I'm done cooking. So disrespectful behavior number one, not giving your husband your full attention when he's speaking to you, but also that there's a way to handle this when legitimate things like children pop up or you really are in the middle of something that you cannot pause easily that you have to give your full attention to. Okay, there's, there's a way to handle that. You know, it just comes down to communication, just communicating that you want to be respectful, communicating that you're aware that this is um, a situation where he might feel disrespected in being brushed aside and you want to avoid that. It's just, it's communication. Number two, do I think that I need to agree with everything my husband says? If you are wondering how this falls under disrespecting your husband and thinking to yourself, well, gee, I would love it if my husband just agreed with everything I said. <laughs> you know, if you're the sort of person who just thoroughly enjoys everyone expressing agreement with you and telling you how smart you are, I, I can't do anything about that. I think that's properly called conceit. 
Um, I personally would hate being patronized. But more importantly for me, a lot of the time spent getting to know my husband was spent talking. And not just talking, but discussing many things at length on which we either disagreed or things which one of us had thought a lot about and the other person very little. And so the person who had thought a lot about a specific thing presented a challenge to the other person to consider things that they never considered before. I would have been very, very bored if he had simply agreed with everything I said, and I certainly would not have married him if he'd presented zero intellectual challenge to my person. I know my husband values the challenge I presented to him intellectually because he has said so directly many times as this being one of the highlights of our getting to know each other. So back to the point. I think it's safe to say this about most husbands. Your husband didn't ask you to marry him so that you could be a robot or his pet parrot. Okay, he's an adult. Now, how you express disagreement is important. There's a respectful and a disrespectful way to express disagreement. But fundamentally, supposing that it is your job to think exactly like your husband is disrespectful of both him and yourself. If there is something that you disagree with your husband about, it's not automatically something to get worked up about, <laughs> okay? We'll be coming back to this, or rather we'll be discussing disrespectful ways of expressing disagreement. But you do need to accept that your husband is a fallen person, and so are you. Neither of you are going to have perfect opinions on everything all of the time, and so you will disagree. Don't insult your husband by assuming that he doesn't value your mind and how it works. Because then a woman who convinces herself of this untruth will use this as a reason to not value her husband's mind. And she opens herself up to so much unnecessary resentment and bitterness and disgust and disdain. So banish this thought from your mind. Number three, do I think that my husband needs to agree with everything that I say? We've already pretty much covered this, but you know, your husband has his own set of life experiences, his own set of talents and thought processes, and most importantly, God created him differently from you. He has a man's mind, and that is a wonderful and beautiful thing. He will inevitably come to some different conclusions from yourself on various topics. Give him the freedom to do so. He will be wrong about some things. You're not perfect either. You're not always right about everything. And if you're listening and thinking to yourself that you are, pray the litany of humility. <laughs> Give your husband a safe space to disagree with you. Do not make your love or your respect for him conditional upon him agreeing with everything that you say and thinking exactly as you do. Aside from de being disrespectful, it is completely unrealistic. <laughs> Number four, if my husband is expressing an opinion with which I disagree, do I look for opportunities to interject or interrupt in order to set him straight? 
you would hate this if your husband did this to you or if he does do this to you you know you hate it now if you're the sort of person who has who just has to have the last word on everything in every situation with everyone <laughs> this is going to be doubly hard but more often i think what happens is that a wife is much more considerate of her friends than she is of her husband. When a woman is out with a friend and a friend expresses an opinion with which they disagree, generally speaking, a woman goes out of her way to find the right words, to be patient, and if needed, to simply and calmly agree to disagree. It's really sad, not to mention a huge red flag, when you value your relationship with your friends more than your relationship with your husband. When you're more anxious about keeping the peace in your friendships than in your marriage. I'm willing to bet that you put up with a lot to keep your friends. A lot that you would absolutely refuse to tolerate in your spouse. And certainly I hope that you married someone because you trusted that in a general sense he shared your values. And ladies, your husband did not ask you to marry him because he wanted to come home daily to his primary nemesis. <laughs> yes, there are incredibly cruel men in this world. The overwhelming majority of Catholic husbands, however, are not cruel men. Now, this doesn't mean being a doormat. Of course, there are things that are going to be really important for you to be on the same page about. But if there has been a history of disrespect in your conversations or in your marriage in general, the long-term effects of that history will take time to undo. And if you want to consistently be able to have respectful conversations moving forward, the longer that history is, the greater the need to take steps forward in phases. Disrespect grows like a tree. Your husband's heart is smack dab in the middle of that trunk. The longer the history of disrespect, the thicker the trunk of that tree. And there's a certain point where your husband can no longer hear you except through all those rings of years of disrespect. If you want a culture in your marriage where you can respectfully disagree, the first phase is learning to listen respectfully, meaning in silence. We talked in part one of Living the Serenity Prayer about Christ's maintaining his dignity through the passion by his silence. And that the same holds true for us. If you want your husband to be able to receive your disagreement without anger, to weigh your opinion with objectivity, and to value your input as a means for him to grow, then the culture of respect between the two of you has to be firmly established. Number five, did I ask my husband leading questions in an effort to get him to think, speak, or behave the way that I want him to versus the way that he normally does? Ladies, this is something that we do with children who are still learning critical thinking. It is never okay to treat your husband like a child. If you have something to say to him, you need to say it directly. And in order to say something directly in a way that will be received well, you need to be respectful about it. 
But this leading questions thing is completely unacceptable. And your husband sees right through this very calculated and manipulative method. Number six, did I nag or nitpick about the decision he had made? Your husband will make bad decisions. We keep saying this. You make bad decisions. If the decision is already made, then there's no point in going on about it. When your husband has made a decision, that should mean that he is ready to accept and to deal with the ramifications of having made that decision. When you nag or nitpick about it, it shows your immaturity and you're just wasting time hurting your relationship with your husband. Furthermore, if it's a decision which was properly his to make as head of the household, you're also committing a sin against the authority given to him by God. If it was a bad decision, there will be consequences. But you are not authorized to be God's judge, jury, and executioner. You are not permitted to attempt to punish your husband further for his wrongdoings. If you want your husband to value your input before making decisions, you have to give him a safe space. That safe space needs to provide him with the room to ask for your input without being belittled. To be free to weigh your input without fear of punishment for deciding on a different way than the one you may have suggested, and the certitude that he will not lose your respect if he ends up making a bad decision. The second set of questions is under the category, loving him where he is. This goes back to the serenity prayer where we say, quote, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, end quote. Father Nathan Cromley of the community of St. John says, quote, love is the bridge across which truth walks, end quote. As we keep saying, your husband is not a saint and neither are you. Part of bringing your husband to heaven is loving him unconditionally where he is at all times. And acknowledging that unconditional love is what you want from him as well, which means that you ought to model it regardless. So, number seven, did I give unsolicited recommendations for resources to help him improve in some area? Let's be real. <laughs> you would not appreciate it if your husband pointedly suggested that you pick up a book on how to organize and maintain a clean kitchen or how about a book on how to hold your tongue yeah that would go over really well wouldn't it this is basically just a method of criticism and it is insulting it's saying hey you have a problem which I, your wife, have identified, and since you clearly haven't, I'm bringing it to your attention by giving you the tools that you need to change and that you failed to gather for yourself. Again, because you're too stupid to know that you have this problem, and it is my job to enlighten you. Stop. <laughs> this is very similar to number five. If you have something to say, you need to say it directly and therefore respectfully if you want to be heard. Number eight, did I make unsolicited helpful suggestions? Okay, this one requires some discernment and assessment of where you are in your marriage. 
if you have a culture of respect established in your marriage where you and your husband know that the other person isn't giving suggestions just because they think they know better, then you may have an environment where giving each other unprompted helpful suggestions is totally okay. And this is definitely where you want to get. But until you have that culture of respect firmly established, you need to stay far away from this practice. If you have been giving your husband the impression that you feel that you know better than him about everything, you need to cut it out for the time being and recognize your superiority complex to be a sinful tendency that needs to be tempered through constant examination of conscience and frequent confession. Once a couple has a culture of respect, they generally have a much better appreciation of each other's strengths and talents and resourcefulness. So they are also less tempted to give helpful suggestions because they operate off of the assumption that their spouse is a perfectly capable individual who is also secure enough in their spouse's love to ask for help when they really need it. But also consider this, let's say your husband is at work all day and you're at home with the kids all day. If your husband came home and started criticizing how you handle the kids and making all sorts of unsolicited suggestions, you'd probably get annoyed or even angry <laughs> because this is your area of expertise, which is not to say that you're perfect at it, but he doesn't see everything that happens when he's at, at work, right? Without asking and without you volunteering information, he doesn't know what you and the kids have been through all day. Well, it's the same thing. If you start offering suggestions about how he can handle things that work better, who are you to do that when you haven't been there and don't know what he's been through all day? Furthermore, why would he tell you if he knows you're just going to find fault with everything he did? If you have something to say, which is pertinent to some situation that he's talking to you about, one thing you can do is you can say very ambiguously, oh, that happened to me once. Or, yeah, my friend has been in a very similar situation. Or, wow, I was just listening to a podcast on that. If you can refrain from immediately giving details, what this simple, very ambiguous sentence does is allow for him to ask for your input. And if he doesn't want your input, he won't ask. He won't press you for details. That's where the respect comes in. You respect his decision to not ask you to explain yourself. So with that said, if you're going to try a sentence like that, try one. Don't try five, don't try three, try one. If he doesn't respond to the one, Thank God for the opportunity to practice a little humility and don't push it. <laughs> Number nine. Did I do or say anything with the intention of punishing my husband for something he had done with which I disagreed? Ladies, if you make a habit of going out of your way to cheerfully help your husband bear the consequences following a bad decision, he is much more likely to involve you in decision-making down the road. Whereas if you bear the consequences of his decisions badly, he's going to focus on himself 
and how badly he feels for himself and his failure. And he will avoid dealing with you since you make him feel worse about himself. God did not make Eve so that she could bring Adam down further. It is your job to build your husband up. The natural consequences of any bad decision are enough. You know this in your friendships. If you're a parent, you know not to do this to your kids. That your kids need love and patience and forgiveness and acceptance in order to bounce back and in order to desire to do better. You vowed the best to your husband. It is not okay for you to treat him like dirt in a situation where you would treat a friend or your child in the exact same position with charity. Number 10. Did I abuse my husband in my head and my heart? Did I allow myself to dwell on angry, bitter, or resentful thoughts or feelings concerning my husband? Phew! Our husbands may not be very vocal about it, but they know when you're stewing in something, and they know when it's because of him. He can feel it. He can tell from your body language. He can see it in your face, and he will avoid you as a result, which if you're being honest with yourself, does not feel good. It never feels good to know that someone hates being around you. And you know, Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, quote, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a man. End quote. You keep thinking thoughts like that and holding hatred in your heart, and it's going to come out in words that you can't take back. Those words don't come out of nowhere. When you verbally insult and abuse your spouse, it's because you haven't been practicing custody of your mind. You've been letting yourself think horrible things about him for a very long time. This is a huge occasion of sin, which you need to recognize and address. Don't even let your mind go there. Number 11. Have I intentionally refrained from thanking my husband for something he did because it seemed too good to be true? And I thought to myself that he would probably never do it again. This one, oh goodness, you're really shooting yourself in the foot with this one. Some women think that if they thank their husband, he will think that he's done enough. So they don't thank him because they, they don't want him to think that he's done enough. Because they don't think he's done enough. Let me clue you in on something. Men love being thanked by their wives, so what will actually happen is that if he does something and you thank him genuinely and profusely for it, he'll do it again because he wants the same reaction. He will never get tired of being thanked. On the other hand, he will get tired of being unthanked, of being unappreciated. Just like you, you get tired of being unthanked and unappreciated. If your husband does something that you really appreciate, go out of your way to let him know how much you love it when he does that and see if he doesn't do it again as soon as there is another opportunity. The important thing for you is consistency. Thank him every single time. The one time that you don't might very well be the last time that he bothers to try it. Number 12, did I undo something my husband had done in order to redo it my way? 
Okay, let's say, <laughs> let's say that you fold your husband's shirts into thirds, and he decides that folding them in half makes them fit better in his drawer. So after you hand him a stack of shirts you've laundered and carefully folded, he dumps them into a heap on the bed and proceeds to fold them the way that makes them fit best in his drawer. Wouldn't that hurt? <laughs> when your husband does something and you undo it because you don't like the way he did it, you're basically telling him that the gift of his time and his effort was thoroughly unappreciated. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, I would value and appreciate his time and effort if he did it my way. That's something you need to bring to the, to the confessional. It's definitely not unconditional love. It's definitely not cherishing or honoring your husband. If your husband took time out of his life to do something that he hoped would be helpful to you and you shoved it back in his face, it's entirely your fault if he never lifts a finger to help you again. If what your husband does to try to help you is going to be a source of conflict, he's going to stop trying to help. And then you'll punish him by complaining to him and everyone else that he never does anything around the house. Well, if you want things to change, stop acting like a teenager with no appreciation for mom's cooking. Mom's going to cook and you're going to eat and be grateful to have a full stomach. Your husband, Lord willing, if you haven't yet destroyed his self-esteem completely, is going to do a lot of things his way with every good intention of being really helpful to you. Be grateful that he's going out of his way to do something out of love for you. And if it really matters to you to get something done your way and it's not something which is properly his responsibility to handle, then for crying out loud, do it yourself and don't ever complain that he's not helping you. If how it is done matters that much to you that you cannot bring yourself to be gracious about the fact that it's done regardless of how it's done, then do it yourself and don't ever complain about not having assistance, period. Right, we're going to stop here with disrespectful behavior number 12 and pick up next week in part three of Living the Serenity Prayer. In the meantime, if you'd like to start looking ahead or actually want to start using this list as an examen, head on over to our blog post linked in the episode description where you will find the full list available as a document for download. Have a blessed week. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find all the quotes and resources referenced in today's episode on our website. We'd love to hear from you, and we're looking forward to having you with us again next week on the Will to Wife podcast. Mm-hmm.